0: Hope may be one of the fascinating discussion topics in human history. We probably like to talk about a better future, and we are given many promises that offer certain hope. Technology offers innovative hope for our world. New medical techniques offer hope for a healthier life. What about our political leaders? They offer hope for improvement in our lifestyles. People sometimes talk about losing hope and say that without hope, nothing can survive. But can we trust those promises for our future hope when we feel hopeless, when we feel a shame, a sense of shame? We are going to look today at the promises God made to Abraham. The call of God to him is the sneak preview for the rest of the Bible. It is a story of God bringing salvation to all tribes and nations through his seed. These promises announce loudly and clearly that there is hope There is a hope for each of us and hope for our world. How? That's what a look at Abram and the promises will tell us today. God gives us the specifics for his people and the world through Abram. Before we get into it, there is one thing, one important thing that I want to make sure you've picked up on. This is the true story of God and displays his unchanging character. God doesn't want, God doesn't turn his back on his people even when they are sinful and rebel. What God wants to do is not to demolish his people and the world. He wants to rebuild his people and the world and continue To bless them. We can see this demonstrated in the next chapters after the fall. Through the history of a redeemed and rebellious people, we see God's grace alongside sin, shame, and guilt. The effects of the fall, Genesis 3, that Matt spoke about last Sunday, are still with us. God's good creation was a starting point, and that can be summed up in one word, blessing. But not for long, Adam and Eve aren't obedient to God. Thus, shame comes, pain comes, death comes, and the God's judgment comes. In a word, curse. Instead of blessing starts flowing out in Genesis 1 to 11. And as humans spread through the earth, the curse spreads as well. Yet we will see today that even in the midst of all that, there really is hope for you and me and our world. How can there be hope in the midst of life stories which exhibit the painful effects of the fall? How? Well, even in the event of the fall itself, Adam and Eve's rebellion against God in Genesis chapter 3, God sounds his message of hope for people and our world. When God confronts Satan for his evil act of tempting Eve and then leading Adam and Eve into rebellion against God, God says this, to Satan, and in doing so, gives a promise to Eve. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. A special descendant of Eve's will come, and he will crush Satan completely, even though this special Descendant will be wounded in the process. This is God's message of hope that is then carried through the painful events of the first 11 chapters of Genesis. Cain, in his jealousy and anger, murders his brother. Neither of these sons of Eve are the promised deliver. Nevertheless, God's mercy to Cain shows that God intends to keep his promise to Eve humans descended into such evil of the following generations that they are judged by a great flood that washes them and their evil away in one great cataclysm yet at the same time God preserves Noah and representatives of all the land creatures God keeps the world going for he intends to keep the promise to Eve. God could demolish the world, but instead he acts to rebuild the world. In Genesis chapter 11, we read that humans get really audacious in their rebellion against God. They build a society, a city with a tower that aims to be an ideal world with no need for God. They try to build God out of the picture. God could demolish the world, but actually to rebuild the world. God frustrates their efforts and scattered them as separate cultures and language groups through the earth. So one day he can come to them again with the good news that the promise to Eve has been fulfilled. But how? That's the question at the end of Genesis 11. How will the promise to Eve become a reality? How will this longed-for hope be met? God announces hope for us and hope for our world in the very next chapter in Genesis chapter 12 to a man named Abram or Abraham. Genesis 12 It's where the Bible tells us how God blesses Abram so he, in turn, can be God's blessing bearer, God's blessing agent. Blessing becomes our story again. The whole world's story, the world will be renewed through the children of one man, Abram. So, in the true story of God, the world and us, we see God will crush sin and make everything good again. There is hope because God says, I will, I will, I will give hope, I will remove shame. When he speaks, things happen. Abraham finds that out when he is 75 years old. God comes into his story in a big way. God calls Abram to leave one of the greatest cities in the world to have four parts unknown. The only thing Abram and his wife Sarai have to rely on are the promises of God. And God promises Abram three things. Verse 1, Land, Abram, I'm going to take you to a new land. In verse 6, God shows it to Abram. One day, all this will be yours. verse 2, God promises people a nation. Abram, I'm going to make your descendants so numerous. They are going to become a great nation. I will make your name great. I'm going to do for you what those tower builders try to do for themselves. There's people. There's land. There's more. For not only will they be a great nation living in a new land, they are yet another promise intertwined with that. This nation will live under God's favor his blessing. So much so, not only will they be blessed, they will be a blessing to others. God says to Abram, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. To Abram, God doesn't God does not promise health and wealth and a great personal life. Instead, he promises something so much deeper and better. God promises that he is saving the whole world and that Abram and also those of us who trust God can be included in that salvation. Our hope for the future rests Not in our own selves, but in God's power and love. God's grace never fails to deliver humankind from the ultimate consequence of their sin. Although we do sometimes have to deal with the short-term consequences. God promises to provide the answer to human evil and shame. There's hope for our world He's going to make a special people and bless them. And through them, blessing will come to all peoples. Three promises. A special people, a special land, in a special relationship with God. How would you sum up that hope in a word? The word God spoke of Adam and Eve before the fall. Before the curse spread, the word God now speaks of Abram. Blessing. God's blessing. It has three parts, three key parts. It's God's people in God's place and under God's rule and blessing. This is the blessing that Adam and Eve were originally meant to be and also spread through the earth to the scattered peoples who spread out from the Tower of Babel. God will one day come. He will come with his promise to Eve fulfilled. There is hope for all the nations and peoples of our world. Notice how the names have changed in Genesis 12, but the pattern is the same as in Genesis 1 and 2. Instead of Adam and Eve, it's Abraham's descendants. Instead of the Garden of Eden, it's the land of Canaan. The same big pattern, God's people in God's place and under God's rule and blessing. Can you see how big these promises are? Whatever forms our lives' sins, sorrows, and troubles take, there is real hope for you and me. There is hope for our world. And when this hope is fulfilled, it won't be a case of simply being allowed back into the paradise of the garden before the fall. In this new world, which is promised to Abram, God's people, in God's place and under God's rule and blessing. Rather, the the evil and shame that spread out from the fall, from human rebellion against God, will be faced and answered. And the people promised to Abraham will know God, love God from the heart, the forgiving, restoring God. The Abraham story, the story full of hope for the future, is foundational to the story, the true story of God, the world, and us. But Abraham isn't the hero, the promised seed, although through Abraham's life, God fills out the promise given to Eve with great detail. In Abraham's story, while human evil and shame continues, It is God, not people, who is shown to be faithful. If you continue to read the story of Abram in Genesis, you will find quite a few examples of Abram making mistakes and committing sins. For example, twice he lied and told someone that his wife Sarah was his sister He was a good man in many ways, but he was also an ordinary floyded man, floyded person like anyone else. The great thing about Abram was not anything about Abram himself. It was that he put his trust and hope in God. Abram believed God's promises, and he put his hope in God's faithfulness. Then what is the true story of us? How will we be part of the promise? The same is true for us today as it was for Abraham. If we hope in our own power or our own goodness or strength, we will be disappointed. In ourselves, we do not have enough goodness to give us hope for the future. But faith in God, given to us by the Holy Spirit, is a sure source of hope. In the Gospels, we meet Jesus. The promises to Abraham lead us to Jesus and his cross. When Jesus allowed himself to be stripped naked and made nothing on the cross, when he the one who had nothing to be ashamed of, surrendered to the relentless shaming that led to our redemption and healing. He accomplished our liberation from shame. Jesus shows us the good God who knows our shame and takes it on himself at the cross. Jesus makes us those loved sons and daughters who will celebrate with Abram and Jesus, and also with one another in the new creation. That is exactly the picture we get of the nations and the blessing that God promised to Abram. There is one more thing to note. Do you remember how shame made Adam and Eve hide from God? Ever since then, every man, woman, and child has been facing a hidden battle with shame. Inwardly, the shame in our natures makes people try to hide from God. But shame is not only a personal matter. Outwardly, it causes people to be separated from God's people, the true community. We can see this example in the book of Leviticus. In Old Testament days, shame often showed up in the realm of the unclean, a category in Levitical law that went beyond the uncleanness brought by sin. For example, people who are being announced unclean, they shall live alone. Their dwelling should be outside the camp. An aloneness and an exclusion from the camp, whether that camp be defined as our family, community, neighborhood, school, or church, shame pronounces us unclean, and we are separated and excluded. Consider the ten lepers who were healed by touching Jesus and the woman bleeding for years, who simply touched the edge of his garment and was healed. They lived in great shame and isolation outside the towns. Their shame is a picture of our universal human shame and isolation. We put barriers between ourselves and others because we believe our shame can't be fixed only hidden and managed. As Jesus worked among us, we see him again and again to going to the ones filled with shame, labeled unclean. He doesn't avoid them. He welcomes people who are regarded as unclean and unwelcome outsiders and removes their shame. Jesus heals shame over and over again. He ended the cycle of sin and shame. And this is a picture of hope fulfilled, where our shame before God and our isolation from God ends. How do you feel about breaking the cycle of shame in our lives as we gather for church this evening? How would our lives individually and together change if we really knew, really believed there is hope for us and our world? Hope even when we feel and experience shame. Whatever brings you to church this evening, each of us only has two options when it comes to our shame. We can stick with using fig leaves. Faking it and pretending we have no shame. We well, acknowledge our shame and face it with hope and faith in Jesus. As you make your choice, remember that one great outcome of Jesus good news is this God hasn't left you to face your shame alone shame says you are alone and excluded. As Kurt Thompson says, isolation is one of shame's primary methods. We are wrong to think the solution is to isolate ourselves. Yes, sometimes we do need to protect ourselves from those whose evil acts are a repeat of that original evil. I get that. We need to stay safe, but total isolation is the wrong solution. We are no longer excluded and left alone in our shame. As Carl Thompson says, our struggle against the shame is begun not by ourselves, but in the company of trustworthy friends, family members, and spiritual mentors. When shame whispers that you are not good enough to accept it or are loved, remember that we belong to the community of the redeemed. We need to be reminded that we are not alone like orphans, but are sons and daughters like Jesus who have been set free from condemnation. How can each of us build that redeemed community? The first thing to do is be a trustworthy friend, family members, or a spiritual mentor. Be a safe person when others have a shame story to tell. Maintain confidentiality. Sure, you really care because of Jesus who cares for you and them. The person who is sharing with you has honored you with their trust. Make sure you respect their privacy and enfold them in acceptance just as God accepted you with your shame. In turn, look for trustworthy people yourself so you can safely share your own life with others. Break that isolation be committed to a growth group because the people in growth groups have already experienced how they may reverse the shame. They show there is a way that we could also contribute to the undoing of shame in others. You can talk with Ben about joining a growth group or send an email to him. I'm sure Ben would love you to realize this truth. Even when a night at Gross Group seems ordinary, by gathering, you are doing something amazing. You are breaking the isolation that shame uses to keep people captive. So when you notice someone is isolated, have them join a gross group. give them a lift to Gross group, make a phone call to them. Here at church on Sundays, break down the barriers by being here each Sunday. Sit with, talk anyone who seems new or isolated. Be a trustworthy listener. Play your part in what God is doing in our world through Jesus. For in Jesus, the promises to Abraham have been fulfilled. Through Jesus, God is gathering people from all nations. And when you break down barriers here at church, you are playing your part as we together speak the hope field, shame removing good news of Jesus to one another's hearts. So which of these two examples will you follow when it comes to dealing with your shame stories? covering your shame with fig leaves while facing your shame with hope and faith in Jesus, breaking shame is isolation in gross groups and here on Sundays. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you because you are true to your promises and we thank you that you are the true source of hope. Help us, by your Holy Spirit, to put our hope in you and have hope and faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, in your precious name. Amen.